it's like you said, it's the one percent. So it's like you have to distinguish yourself every single day. And like that's for four years for three hundred and fifty six days of the year. Excellence is about standing. And excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, my guest is Herji Mayala. At the moment of the recording, this summer, Herji played for the Montreal Alouettes in the CFL, the Canadian Football League. Since then, he was transferred to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We go in-depth about the life and struggles of elite football players and we discuss the importance of keeping high hopes and a solid mental in a sport where you don't control everything about your performance. Even if Herji still has many more years to go, it is impressive to witness the wisdom he has already acquired and I'm convinced this will lead him to amazing heights. However, football wasn't really in his genes when he was younger. Uh, I hated it. It was too aggressive. I was a basketball guy, you know, more finesse. And now football, I got introduced to it because all my friends used to play it. After basketball practice, they'll go. And then one day I just followed them. And uh, we went out there. I did not like it. They, I was a bigger guy, a bigger kid. So they kind of had me playing most of those like O-line, D-line, tough position. And uh, yeah, I remember just quitting. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'll pass on it. Okay, so it's interesting because usually that question, the first memory is either like a win or uh, like a good memory. It's kind of the first <laughs> time that I hear like, terrible. I hate it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you were born and raised in Montreal. Mm -hmm. um, what ended up uh, bringing you into, into football? You finally found something that you liked because here it's more hockey or basketball. Yeah, right. Football is, yes, there's, there's a team here, but it's not necessarily the sport that Canadian or Montrealers uh, think about. So yeah, what, uh, what ended up uh, making you like uh, football? Uh, so like I said, I started with uh, basketball. Basketball, till this day, is my favorite sports. I love it. Love watching it. You know what I mean? It's one of those sports that you just fall in love because it was my first one. But a uh, football, uh, We used to, so I'm, I'm from the West Island Pierrefonds, mm -hmm. uh, deep west. And, uh, we used to be, we used to go to elementary school, practice basketball. And then on the way back, a lot of the guys would be going to football practice. But like, and then I'll end up being the only one walking alone. So I was, I was like, I didn't like that feeling. So one day I was like, you know what? Let me just go follow them and then see what we're talking about. And I remember, uh, Ask Mick was like, man, like you'd be a good football player. And then I was like, oh, anyways. So then I go to practice. I was I just wanted to see and then they was like, Oh, like you can practice, da da you don't gotta commit or anything. So then I go to practice and then uh yeah, like I said, the first day it was just not good. Uh just too much contact? Yeah, I thought I was gonna be like a running back, like a guy that has the ball all the time. But they put me on the line, they had me like tackling people and all that. I was like, Ooh, I don't know if I like that. So then after that, I think I did like two weeks and I was like, I'm good. The year after that I was like, Yeah, I'm good. Went back to basketball and then Basketball, it was just like, once you try football, basketball is not the same anymore. Like, the physicality of it, you're a little bit more physical. And then I just, after that, I just couldn't stay out of foul trouble. And then it was kind of like, football became the sport where, all right, like, you can go there. There's no six fouls. You can play, <laughs> like, the whole game. There's no six fouls. And then, uh, yeah, I kind of just stuck with it. And uh, 
ever since then so, brought so me all the way here. you lost the finesse for basketball basically basically <laughs> that's, that's what happened right. you to, <laughs> yeah to football okay that's that's interesting um so when you start playing football you don't start with like flag football or like touch football whatever it's sort of right, right away uh you said nine ten years old contact 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 now nowadays they have flag football like they're yeah. trying to introduce it to the younger guys because like you know with everything out the brain and all that so they do do a better job now but uh When I started playing, it was straight. You got a helmet, you got your shoulder pads, you got your pants. Go out there and play football. So, yeah, it was definitely different than nowadays. Interesting. So, you're 10, 11, you start playing football. Mm -hmm. um, when did this become, I would say, more serious? When did you start thinking, you know, university and, and, and making it your, you know, your uh, full-time occupation? Yeah. Man, I, I'll probably say it was when I was, uh, I think when I turned 13, like, there was a lot of guys that were really good at football. And, like, my goal for me when I was 13 was just, like, I want to be able to make the team. Because at 15, no, at 15, uh, 13, I moved from uh, the West Island to, like, a little bit more outside, like, in the suburbs. And then uh, when we turned 14, I got cut from the Lions. Coach Terry Tiller's day. I give him crap for that. But he cut me from, like, the the real team, basically. So I had to go JV for that year, which is, like, the lower team. Right. And uh, when that's when it hit me. I was, like... I want to just be able to like always make the the team the original team, and that's kind of where like for me it clicked, and uh, it just became like an habit where I got to make sure that I cover all cylinders, and uh, if I go out there, like I'm showing my best every single time that I go out there. Sweet. Um, and what's your? Uh, is there a specific point in time where? It became obvious that there was your intention to just make it into the team. Right. Was there maybe later on a moment where you realized that not only you were good, you could make it to that <laughs> A team at 15 years old, yeah. which is probably regional level or something uh -huh, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. to something a bit uh, a bit higher? Is there like one moment, one game, one no? Uh, one moment, I'll probably say that I felt like I had a shot when I was uh, I was 17. It was my last season in Montreal. Uh, I was playing for the North Shore Mustangs. And uh, the year before, we had probably the best player in the city on our team, okay. Cedric Joseph. Cedric killed it. He was a running back. And then the year after that, when we turned 17, he left to go to CJEP. So, like, I stayed. And it was kind of like, who's going to fill up the shoes type stuff. And uh, I was having a pretty good summer. I went to Team Quebec, handled business over there. And then when I came back, it was kind of like, we want to expand you. We want to see what you got type stuff. And then I remember my first game, went out there. There was other guys. Uh, There's a couple other guys that was really good. But then you got uh, one of our key players got hurt. One of the receiver got hurt. So then I'm filling in. It's like, all right, hers, like, you're the go-to guy now. And at first I was like, man, like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. I'm just used to, like, being the guy that if you need me, I'm going to show up, but, like, not the main guy. The first game, I went out there. It was it was all right. And then the second game, I think it had, like, three touchdowns or, like, something like that. And uh, for me after that, I was kind of like – If I keep this going, I think I can make something happen. And uh, that year ended up being a great year for me. And I just kind of rolled that wave since. Okay, so it was really about like seizing the opportunity. Yeah, you weren't right. really chasing like that specific you know, position yeah. or, or moment. It just came, just, came yeah. to you and you, you, you were present for that day. And, and you, Yeah, it kind of just landed present. on my lap. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of one of those days where it was like you just, things are just happening. Like you're in a flow state. You don't really like yeah. think about it. It just kind of happened. And then once I tapped into that one time, I was like, man, like, I think I can do this every day. Yeah, like, you every start week. liking the feeling. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, things, yeah. yeah. Um, well, in all that, were, uh, how were you in school? What type of uh, a student were you? Oh, man, school. School and me have a weird, <laughs> weird, weird relationship. So 
I'm not gonna say I'm a bad student. I'm a pretty decent student, really good one if I put my head down. But for me, for school was like a lot of time, especially with football. From a young age, we start that you need to go to school and play football. Like they one and the other. Like mm-hmm. they said, student athlete, but student first. And now I got introduced to that when I was like, man, like, like fifteen. Like I wasn't really playing full sport like that. But it was like, like you need to like go to school. So I was like forced my school to that point where I was like, I'm gonna show up C plus. I was like, if I get a B, like the class that I like, like history, I'll get an A. I'll be like, all right, like that's my class. But like school always for me was always like one of those. It goes with football. As you know, if you're good on, on the field, you got to be good in the classroom too in order to be able to stay on the field. Mm-hmm. And so do you have, um, do you have expectations from your family to succeed at school? Or was it really <laughs> you, in a sense, was it really you putting pressure on yourself to you know be good mm-hmm. at school and then be also good at Man. sport or did you have more like pressure to go either in one direction or the other uh i'm from a big family i'm the youngest of six okay so everybody else went to school like did uh real estate doctor stuff like that so like yeah. i was for Some me it was kind of like yeah it was like it was a pressure but at the same time it was like yeah he's the youngest if he doesn't really do one of those somebody's already doing it in the family so for me like i'm grateful that it was like that because then i didn't really have to think about it but i did have to pass and make sure that like i'm bringing decent grades to the point where i'm not getting screamed at mm-hmm. so yeah it was kind of just like sports once like i've put my mind to sports which was like 15 kind of like school was kind of like became a i, I wouldn't say second but it was kind of like all right make sure your sports is good yeah. and then school gonna follow with it okay. pretty much So you went to the University of Connecticut, yeah. right? Uh, 17, 18? Uh, 15 to 18, 19. 15 to 18, 15 okay. to 19. Uh, yeah, how, how did you end up here? Did you know people over there? Uh, were the, you scouted for uh, for sports? Or yeah. was it like a personal choice just out of... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird journey. So like I told you, the, 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 when I was 17, I had a good year. And then uh, I actually was given the opportunity, the, the full-ride scholarship to go to a prep school. In upstate New York. So then uh, I went to this uh, private school, spent two years there. And from there, kind of got a couple of interests from a couple of schools, uh, UConn being one of them. But uh, all the other schools that I was kind of like interested in, like I want to go to Richard, Virginia. That's the first school that I want to go to. I went to a visit, talk with the coaches. They were like, hey, man, like there was like a lot of things like with NCAA scholarship numbers. So there was like once like this scholarship opened up, like there's one for you waiting. Okay. And I was like, man, I'm I want to go there. But then. All the other coaches got fired. And then UConn was the only school out of my options that had a brand new coach that was coming in. They heavily recruited me. They came like every weekend to see me at school. So for me, it was just kind of like, at least for the next four years, I'm going to know what situation I get into. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I ended up at University of Connecticut. And how uh, how big was uh, was football in that specific uh, university? Because every uni- mm-hmm. university has, is kind of king sport in a sense: basketball, uh, basketball, football, yeah, uh, baseball, whatever. But yeah, how uh, were you? Were you the star of the of the campus? <laughs> uh, I said that I had some good times, but football in the uh, University of Connecticut, like you said, like Connecticut is uh, basketball capital of the world. Like every other year, they're winning a national championship when it comes to basketball. So football was kind of like second to that. But at the same time, we still get a lot of love across the state because we're the only football team in this, like in the whole state. So like there was always like a lot of love. And uh yeah, when I got there my first year, uh I played. I was grateful to play to be a starter. My sophomore year, same thing. And then my junior year was really the year that I had a great year. And uh I think that was probably the closest to what you say, like being a rock star on campus. 
kind of had a good time. People knew who you were. Like, they would be like, hey, like, have a good game and stuff like that. So that was definitely a great feeling. And, uh, but yeah, football is anywhere I feel like in the US if you play football because it's like yeah. the main sport, I think. Yeah. Like, everybody's play football. They're going to love you. They're going to show you love. They're going to show you respect. Sweet. Um, is, is the NFL the, the dream of every single player getting into a university or, or is it just kind of unachievable because mm -hmm. only you know, the top 1% of the people that make it to university right. uh, make it to the NFL? Uh, I think the NFL is the goal of everybody. Uh, I mean, I feel like it depends on where you go to school. Uh, I know that being in the CFL, there's a lot of guys that played in Canada university that to them might not be a goal. They would love to, but they don't kind of like reach that as a goal. But for me personally, I know that when I was in the University of Connecticut, uh, that 2015 class, we all came in and like our main goal was like, we're going to win. And then we all go into the league. That was kind of like the the mindset. And uh, the thing about the NFL is that like as you go, especially in college, like it's like you said, it's the 1%. So it's like you have to distinguish yourself every single day. And like that's for four years every single day for 356 days of the year. And a lot of guys, like you just get weeded out. It's like, all right. This person wanted this, and then after one year, they don't play. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I really want to be a doctor, really. So, like, kind of, like, take you to the point where, like, a lot of guys, the guys that really want it are the one that eventually make it. And uh, that's, I think, the 1% happens. And, and how much do you think, so you said the 1% that can make it, make it, but how much of this is about your physical capabilities and how much of this is about how much you want it? You know, if, if you're... Yeah four foot and you're oh, super yeah, yeah. weak you won't make it <laughs> right. and at the same time if you're the strongest and tallest guy and you don't want to make it you won't make it but yeah, yeah there, there's a, a balance but yeah how how much one versus the other is important i'll probably say that and uh not just for the nfl but to make it as pro because yeah you're a pro now I'm, i'm sure probably 50 or 60 percent of the people that were at with you in your city stopped people yeah. at some point and now have a, like, like a nine to five job yeah. yeah so not just the nfl but just pro Yeah, uh, as a whole. Uh, I'll say that uh, physical ability, physically, is probably like, like there's always the eye test. The first thing that anybody or any team, any scout is gonna look at you, they're gonna look at your height and weight, yeah. your like your physique, and then after that, is how can you move, and then that's gonna go about it. So I feel like that's the main thing. Like the normal, there's a lot of guys that are six seven, are like really like physically freakish, but they can't really play, but because they're physically gifted. You kind of got to give them a chance because they always say that you can't coach that. Like you can't teach mm -hmm. certain yeah. things that certain guys do. So it's like once you see that, you kind of got to take a chance on it. So I think that the physical part is probably the biggest thing when it comes to football. And how, in that case, how is how is mental important into the sport? Because um, football seasons are pretty short in general. They are in the CFL, right? Mm -hmm. It's a five-month yes, season-ish. Yeah. Uh, but you have seven months after that where you just have to keep training and all that. Yeah. And, yeah, you have to have the willpower also to just keep going if you're mm -hmm. not competing and all that. So there, there must be also with the physical aspect, all the, the 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 contacts and all that. So yeah, how is is there is this something that you faced in your in your career, like the the mental aspects, uh, the importance of of being you know sane and and keeping the, yeah. the motivation up. Oh yeah, I I think that the mental part when it comes to any professional sport is the biggest thing. Uh, I feel like for me personally, uh, I got in this league in 2019. And uh, I was really hungry. I was like, I want to prove myself. And, like, you get that first taste. So, like, in our sports, in our business, like, you're only as good as how somebody look at you. The head coach look at you. The GM look at you. Like, if they think you can do something, then they're going to give you a shot. If not, then you're not going to get it. And I feel like for me personally, in my journey, uh, the mental health was 
I got introduced to it really in 2020 because like after my first year in 2019, I had a pretty decent year, but I felt like there was a lot more that I could have did. And then uh, 2020 got canceled and then we didn't play. And then 2021, we come back and it's kind of like in your head, you're like, I, I can do all these different things. Yeah. Like I need to get going. Blah, blah, but I usually don't get opportunities. And then it's like right, week one, there's 18 weeks. So like week one, by week 10, you're just like mentally not there anymore. You kind of like. Am I doing something wrong? Da, da, da. Is it because you were not playing or not no, you, right? You, or? You, you playing, but you're just not getting an opportunity that you feel like you deserve. Okay. And then you kind of just like, especially as a receiver, like they got to call the right plays. They got quarterback, O-line got to protect. Running back got to pick up the blitz. And the quarterback got to throw the ball at the right place. And you got to be there at the right time. So it's kind of like all these things that play a factor. So then the mental part, you kind of just start telling yourself like, is it like, am I not good enough? Like what's going on? And uh, yeah, as as you go, it's kind of like what is going on type stuff. But I feel like for me, that was probably like the biggest thing. I had to like just mentally understand that you can't control things. You know what I mean? Like you do got to get ready. And like to me, I, I think the off season is probably the easiest part. Like mentally in the off season, you're just out there getting ready. But it's like the in season, the mental part is probably the hardest because you train all these seven months for these mm -hmm. five months. And then you have an idea in your head of what should come from these seven months that you put in. And then when you get there, it might not be what you think. It might be like, all right, heard you coming in. Instead of giving you seven targets, we're going to give you two because we think that there's this, that, and the third that can do the job. And then also, like, you come into money into it. Like, certain guys got to get more opportunities because of how much money they make. So it's, like, a lot of factor that mentally you, like, you don't really think until you're in there. And then I think that a lot of guys go through it. And, like, a lot, a lot of guys, like, retire because of that. Because they're like mentally they can't do the thing that they want, and like it's just become too heavy on them, and they just say like I'd rather walk away from the game than that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me the mental part is probably the toughest in the season because of all these different things. But I just learned like you just gotta let it go. You can't control everything. You kind of just gotta accept what it is and rock with it. And, and it's pretty insane, like as you said. So if we look at let's say track and field, you run the hundred meters or mm -hmm. whatever the marathon, you control most of your race or yeah, your, the, the environment yeah. it's your body it's your mental it's well there is the track there is who you're competing against there's the weather whatever but these are like smaller contributions yeah. but for you as an athlete as a as a receiver for example it's like first of all am i on the field then is the call <laughs> right being uh, in is the play for me and that is is the quarterback going to make the right pass and th there are so many more considerations to yeah. you And at the end, it's like receiving the ball and hopefully getting to a touchdown, right? It's if mm -hmm. we, you know, dumb it down to what your goal is as as right. in your position. But getting to that, there is it seems like there's 20% that you control and 80% or more that you just watch and hope it's just gonna, you know, stars align at the right place. Yeah. You, right. So is that the part that is tougher to be out of control on some of those uh those uh those things that in the end control your career or your season your career yeah. And your future. oh yeah most definitely i think that that's the the mental part like that's the biggest thing because when you like once you know what you can do and you show what you can do you like you expect that out of yourself and then like you want those opportunities like you said the 80 percent you want that to happen every single time because it's like like i get to show what i can do i get to show who i am but like you said like that's 80 that's a lot okay. like if it was 50 50 then it would be like okay yeah but like 80 is a lot and then like a lot of receivers or a lot of just like guys that are offensively like on the offensive side it's like there's only one ball yeah and like the ball like they always say like and they used to tell me that in college but i didn't really believe it because in college if you're good they're gonna find a way to get you the ball like but like they was like the ball i mean the game like the ball goes where the ball goes you can't control it even if they call the play for you 
the mic, throw the ball on the other side because mm-hmm. they just blitzed. So it's kind of like letting go and understanding that like the game is the game and like you just kind of like that's what they call the game. Like you just got to play it, mm-hmm. and then eventually everything will fall in place. So just to put things into context, because I realized we didn't explain what football is. People know oh, okay. what football is. No, no, I'm thinking just yeah, yeah. I know not all the sports, but I know just enough on all the sports. But I'm like, okay, you're a receiver, but I would say 90% of the people that listen will not necessarily know where you're standing on the, right. on the field. So you know, just explain offense, defense, and just the, the few um, positions that you have in the offensive team so that <laughs> makes yeah. more sense. The whole I'm going to really dumb it down. So the football field, uh, if you guys ever seen the football field, it's probably in the CFL, it's 110 yards from uh, left to right, from end zone to end zone. And then uh, I think, what, 65 from sideline to sideline. And on the field, there's always 12 guys. So on the 12 guys, you have the the bigger guy in the front. On the offensive side, they call O-line, offensive lineman. On the defensive side, they're defensive lineman. And then they kind of go against each other. Then you got the quarterback, which is the most important position on the field. And then you got the linebackers, which are paired with the running back, the one that carry the ball. He don't really catch. He carries the ball. And then on the outside, you got your pretty boys. You got the, the guy that, you know what I mean, that bring the show. You got your DBs, defensive back that are there to cover the wide receivers who are the one that ultimately catch the ball and put on the show. Okay. So the, the receivers are the ones that you don't you see 10% of the game, but when you see them usually is that there is like it's the it's showtime usually. It's like when there's that long pass and everybody mm-hmm. gets crazy or not. <laughs> yeah, they, um, they they come and put on the show. Okay, so that's your role is what are the physical the strength or, or capabilities that you need uh, to be a receiver versus um, uh, a running back or versus mm-hmm. a quarterback or a defenseman uh, I think that receivers is, is, is different from body types uh, do you got your taller guys guys that are 6'5 like 6'3 and above usually they're not the fastest guys they're most like the guy where you just throw the ball up and they go get it and then you got your guys that are under there and that's most of the receivers. And you just need to be like the biggest thing. You got to be fast. You got to be able to move like really fast. Uh, a lot of DBs now are getting faster and faster. Fast, so a, agile. Yeah. Like you got to be able to move left or right and just be able to run fast in a straight line. And then ultimately just the drops got to be at an all time low. Like you got to be able to catch the ball efficiently and make some of the tough catches where you catching the ball and getting hit. So that's probably it. If I put it down, yeah, it's probably yeah. Be like, well, it's, yeah. Inter- yeah. it's always interesting to dumb it down because people right. <laughs> don't necessarily watch or you know just know much uh, yeah. about that. Um, so you got drafted uh, in the CFL in 2019, yeah. right? Um, team, I wrote it, Calgary. Yeah, Calgary. Yeah, um, so you do one season here, which you find quite successful. Then it's uh, season canceled. Uh, what did you do during that year? Did you keep training or did you move to another league? Um, uh, so I was I was on the rookie deal. They they couldn't like they didn't let me go anywhere. Okay. Like, I was locked okay. up with them. I had a good year, so they kind of like, oh yeah, this kid's not going anywhere. But for 2020, for me, uh, that's when I kind of like I always wanted to coach. That was always something that I always had a uh, passion. I feel like a lot of kids nowadays, there's a lot of coaches and trainers, but there's not a lot of people that did it and I understand like what really goes into being a like Division One or like a professional athlete. Like it's it's a lot more than just training for routes and like stuff like that. And that's something that I kind of 2020 I focused on um, making sure that I just wanted a community I was like you know what I want to coach a football team and kind of teach them how to be a pro like even though they're younger like kind of tell them what's going to come as they go if that's something that they want to do and I spent pretty much all of 2020 and beginning of 2021 doing that how, how much fun do you have doing that is that something you uh, you feel you have to do because you had great mentors and, and people that inspired you younger uh, for me uh, it's definitely something that I feel like I have to do because I did not have those people that okay. kind of got to that level and like told me that hey 
when you go out there, you got to play special team because special team going to get you on a roster and get you on a roster, get you a steady pay instead of being a practice squad, which is less more like stuff like that that a lot of people don't think about. But like if you've been through it, you kind of know like what the importance of special team, what the importance of running your route, the right depth, like the being a good teammate. Because a lot of times, like there's a lot of guys that are talented and I'm speaking of experience, they're talented, but like they're not the most uh, approachable guys. They kind of just do their own stuff. And like that, a lot of that like plays a part because at the end of the day, we're we're employees and like we're working a environment that people want to feel welcome. People want to feel like oh, you're part of this environment. You're somebody that we can work with, somebody that's like expandable and stuff like that. And I felt like to me that was kind of the biggest thing about going to coaching that I felt like I wanted to share. And uh, maybe down the road when I'm done playing, when I lace them up, uh, that's definitely something that I've considered. But for right now, for me, those those uh, just those goals to kind of give it insight to the kids for what's to come if they want to pursue this path. That's very cool. Do you still do it now with the, the, the ongoing season or with no COVID, I would say, when you have a bit less time? Uh, no, nah, the season, I mean, I, I've, I've trained a couple guys, but like as far as like coaching and everything, I kind of, with the schedule that we have, it's, it's kind of tough to make it happen. So talking about schedule, what does your schedule actually look like? Because now we're in the season, it starts, mm -hmm. what, end of May, early June? Yeah. Something like that goes up until October-ish. Yeah. Um, so you're... One game a week, approximately. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. How does it look your daily life? I would say as a, as a pro a football player during the season and then on the off season. Yeah. Uh, so during the season, uh, they're longer days. So I probably I usually wake up at like six forty five. Wake up at six forty five. Take a quick shower. Uh, get in my car. Facility is about fifteen minutes away. Take that drive. Listen to whatever podcast I can get my hands on. Get in there. Uh, I get treatment from. Let's say 7.05 to like 7.25 because you got blocks. Treatment, I get that. I get quick lifting, quick stretch. So now we're like at 8, 8.30, get something to eat. We got meetings from 9 to 11.30. What is meeting? Meeting, we just talk about like uh, what we're going to do in practice, oh. uh, what the other team is doing, how we're going to kind of beat them to their own game or beat them with our game plan. And then after that, we got practice. Practice goes from uh, probably 11.45 to like 1.30. And then you get done with that, you go back in. Uh, you get some more treatment for another 45 minutes, shower, eat. So you go from basically, you're in there from seven, to I'll probably say like three, seven to three. And then after that, you get home and you got to do some more studying. You got to watch film. You got to go over your game plans. So I'll probably say from seven to like 5.36 all your days. And then after that, you kind of relax for a little bit, talk to your family, talk to your partner if you have one. By nine o'clock, 9.30, You start thinking about going to sleep and then doing it all again tomorrow. That's seven days a week, right? Uh, I'll, I'll probably say six days a week because we get two days off. So okay. five, five, five to six days a week, depending on the week and who okay. we're playing. Yeah, so it doesn't look like, I mean, from the outside, right? People go to the game. They assume that you train, you know, two hours in the morning, one in the afternoon. But no, your day is like, it's yeah. more than a, a nine to five. You wake up fucking early. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> right. end up with everybody else, but then you have to, you know, recover and then you, yeah. you, you, you go at it again. So, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's insane. So that's the, during the season. Yeah. And then off season, seven months. What's, oh uh, man, what off season for to? me is great. Uh, I spend them last two, three years. I spend them in Calgary. So I'll probably wake up at like 8.30, kind of sleeping in 8.39. Got my workout from nine to like 11.30. And then after that, from 12, So like let's say four, whatever I got going on. Like last year I took like I started like taking uh online classes. Okay. So I kinda did that for at least a month and a half. And then after that I started training kids. So like probably from season end of November, got in December, probably like around February. Okay. That's when I started like doing that. And then last year I actually went to the USFL. I will 
I got on my contract last year. When I got done with my contract, uh, I signed with the USFL down in uh, New Orleans. Uh, I read about that. Is that kind of the minor league of the NFL, or is that completely separate? It's a recent league, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's the same thing as XFL. It's kind of like a minor league. Uh, if you like looking for opportunity or something like that, just yeah. to put get some different film. You kind of go down there and like you get your film. You play. It's like a ten week season, which is pretty short, but yeah. there's no bye week. It's just kind of like you get your ten games out, and then uh, yeah, and then after that you get done with that. Spent uh, three weeks over there. Uh, did the training uh, training camp with them. It was a great time, loved it. But uh, because it's a startup league, like I had a problem with my visa, so okay. I, yeah, so I couldn't stay down there. And then ultimately came back up here, and then I uh, resigned with the Montreal Alouettes. Cool. Uh, you mentioned just before when you get home at five thirty six, yeah. whatever, you have to study. And I I remember that from TV, and also when I watch a few uh, a few games, there there is so much to know about your own team, all mm -hmm. the plays you have and also on the other team how how important is that in in being a great player like knowing well of course inside out about yeah. your team but also the other ones and knowing the player or the dense defensive person that will be facing you in the next game is that something is that what you call studying like looking at videos and, and analysis and stuff like that oh yeah definitely i think that uh, that's the difference between guys that last and guys that don't uh Watching film and studying your opponent is the biggest thing because then you pick up on tendencies. Like to me, I, I like to pick up on tendencies knowing that like, all right, on second down, I like they, they give us breakdowns. They'll be like, all right, on first, second down and third down, they're going to do this. But like sometimes they want to disguise it like this. So like when you go out there, you kind of like can see it before it happens and you're kind of like ahead of the game. Like a lot of times, like this past week, we had a, we played in BC and like they call, we have calls that can get canceled depending on how they play. And I kind of like just going like the quarterback called the play and I'm walking to the line and I look and I'm like, I know he's going to kill that play because that's the look that they gave us in practice on film. So like, that's kind of like where filming and like studying the game takes you like you can see things ahead and it kind of just like help you play more freely and more confident, most definitely, because you know exactly what's coming. It's kind of like a cheat sheet. Yeah. You know exactly what's coming and like, you're kind of ready for it. Sweet, sweet. So, yeah. did you uh, call that uh, that play in BC? Oh, uh, I just, I just knew. Like, once we walked out, it's like a play. If they have a different coverage, they're gonna let it run. We're gonna run the play. Okay. If not, they're gonna kill it. We're gonna run something different. So, once I walk out there harder, I kind of looked. I was like, yeah, I like. I was like, I already know. Like, we're gonna kill the play because they're giving us the look where he's low, safety over him, and I know that they gotta kill it because we can't run in a seven man box. It's mm -hmm. just not productive. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. A bit more off sport. Uh, you mentioned that you mentioned that you're a pro athlete. You mentioned salary very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the CFL the salaries are not uh, public. They right. are in the NFL, in the NBA, whatever. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, is can you make a living uh, out of uh, playing in the, in the CFL? And if if so, is it only half of the team or some of the players, the best players that are mm -hmm. the best paid, and the other ones have to do other stuff? Or yeah, how? professional is the league i would yeah. say uh, overall oh yeah no you can definitely make a living uh, i think that like a lot of guys now are making over a hundred thousand for the five months so that's more than enough for yeah. like a whole year yeah, yeah, for like yeah. to work five months but like yeah uh, a lot of the guys like that's what i said like the difference between practice squad and like being uh on an active roster active roster is the guy that you see on the sideline that are dressed and like ready to play And practice squad are pretty much the guy that just practice all week. And then when you watch the game, you kind of see him like in team gear. So like those guys make less. And if you spend a whole year on practice squad, then yeah, you're probably gonna have to get a job in the offseason in the CFL. But like, like that's what I was saying. Like if you play special team, then you're technically active. If you're active, you get an active check. That's what we call them. 
if you get an active check that you get in your contract as a whole. But if you're on practice squad, you don't. You only get practice squad contract. And the special team? Can mm -hmm. you define that? Uh, special special team? team is basically the guys, like when the ball is kicked, when like the plays that are not offense or defense, that's special teams. It's special. Like kickoff and Yeah, after, kickoff, uh, kickoff return, pump, pump return, after score. So like those are the play what we call a special team. And usually you will have your offensive or defensive guy, but there's guys that like if you play a lot of offense, you're not gonna play on special team. But there's guys that's just like I, I like it because that's how I started my career. Like when I got drafted, they will not let me play offense until I prove myself on special team. And it kind of just been a mindset for me to kind of just stick with it. But a lot of guys they don't see it like that. And like there's forty forty seven guys on an active roster, and the more you can do, the better for for you. So. That's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, the more opportunities to yeah. be on the field and prove yourself. So pretty much. Yeah, and the, the special team, you're what ten times or twelve times during the game, or you have ten. Oh yeah, plays, you or? only got ten plays, but like those ten plays, like I said, like salary wise, like it's more than worth it to huh. be on that, get an active check, then say, oh, I don't want to play special team, and then you're getting a practice squad roster because the receiver that you want to beat out, you're not going to beat him out because yeah. maybe he's better than you, but also he does more than you. So he's more mm -hmm. valuable to the team than you are. Okay. So yeah. And yeah, how is the season going so far? Uh, so you're two two now. Yeah, we're two uh, and two. Won the first two, then lost yeah. the next two. Uh, yeah. How do you do? You see the the season going? Uh, I think that we gotta. I mean, as a team, you always wanna win every single game. But we lost the last two, and we kind of know why. And uh, for us as a team, you just kind of like come back together. Uh, we got meetings in two days on Wednesday, on a short week, and kind of just understand that like, hey, whatever happened last game. It happened last game, and, like, we got to look forward to whatever's next. And uh, that's the beauty of our football is, like, every single week is, like, special. It's like a battle within itself, and you can only focus on that one. And if you keep looking back, then it's going the season going to get ugly real fast. But mm -hmm. if you just try to be like, you know what, last week, it is what it is. This week, let's focus on Toronto and then make sure that we give them our best shot. Then I think that that's how you should look at every single week as its own week and not really compile the record, if that makes yeah. sense. Cool. Um Earlier this year, the the team was uh, acquired by uh, a businessman from Montreal, right. Ricardo <laughs> and his uh, company. Right. Um, did that change anything for you? Did the approach change uh, the support you have, uh, whether it's from you know, mm -hmm. like having a, a stronger um, uh, training staff and stuff like that? Did you see anything change compared to the, the past seasons? Uh, I definitely say that he's a he's an energetic guy. Uh, he he showed up and lay straight up. He was like, he's a winner. Uh, everything he does, he wants to win, yeah. and he kind of lay it out like that. So I think that that's that approach right there was completely different from. I've only been there since 2022, but like it was completely different. Where the owner of the team come and like tell you how it is, and like you see him on the sideline all the time. And then after that, uh, also like as far as like building goes, like just a lot of like small things that change, like the way uh, our meeting rooms is a different place, is a bigger, a lot bigger, a lot more guys can be in the same place. Also like just like the catering we get instead of like getting a. Uh, Mail where you just get a mail in a little box and then you kind of sit down like you eat by yourself in the locker room. We now have like a, like a, how do you call those? Like where everybody can sit down, like a, we, yeah, we used to call them like training table in college, where okay. it's like everybody kind of can sit down and then you get a like a meal that's been cooked in front of you type stuff. So that's kind of bring a different environment to where guys can sit down and like yeah. kind of chop it up instead of being just in your locker and kind of doing your own thing. So okay. those are definitely two things that. I feel like changed a lot. Okay. So there was no other objective than winning the championship this year, right? I mean, that's, 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 <laughs> that's the one. That's goal him and that's everybody one. else. Cause I feel like a city like Montreal, if you're winning and you're winning big at the highest level, there's, I don't, I don't think there's any city 
both U.S. and Canada. That's like Montreal. If you're doing good, like you get the support of every single person. So like I feel like that's he knows it. He's been uh, in the city. He's he's a Montreal guy, yeah. like through and through. So he knows what winning looked like. What there's an LOS in the 2010s when it was winning like back to back Grey Cups. So he kind of know the environment and uh, that's kind of what he expects. And how's the uh, the attendance, the fan base? Have you seen that change also? And is is it getting you know better? There are. There's one big sport, right? There are the mm-hmm. Canadians here, but then you have smaller teams. You have uh, the Alouettes. You have now the the Alliance nice. for, uh, in the basketball team. Montreal is a very sports-oriented yeah. city. Um, yeah, do you see like like the fan base picking up um, over the years here? Uh, I'll probably say definitely. I, f- I felt more last year because coming from the year before, I think that they didn't have a really good year. So last year when we started like doing good towards like the end of the year, like beginning of the year, it was kind of like oh, you can kind of quiet but like by the time we got to the playoffs i think that like it was beyond packed and like you could like it was really really loud where it's like okay like you feel the people in the stadium so i think that uh that was definitely that and then this year the first the first home game that we had like against ottawa you can definitely hear everybody was there and like showing support because like i said montreal when you win everybody's behind you mm-hmm. very cool um one thing it's Again, complete, not completely off topic, but I think it's a very important um, issue. There is a lot of discussion about anxiety, mm-hmm. which is more mental um, injuries in sport, in a sense. Yeah. Uh, but in, in football, we've read a lot about like head trauma because yeah. it's so physical. And that was your first answer. Um, is that something that, one, you're concerned about and you are very careful about? And is that something that is growing in the overall team teams in general uh, and the staff to be more cautious about you know concussions and and just in general the follow-ups with athletes because you don't necessarily being you know so much under adrenaline that you have mm-hmm. you know got a shock is that something that you think is being taken uh, more seriously now uh, in the leagues and and also you know for you uh, i mean I, i don't like you guys don't realize how, like once you get a concussion like so now there's i mean it always been there but if there's if the, the team suspect that you have a concussion There's a whole bunch of process that you have to go through before you even step back on the field. So it's like it's never like people think that oh you get a concussion and you come back, but it's like you if they think you have a concussion or you like wobbly, they take you out the game. The next day you have to go take a standard test that we take before the season, and like you have to match those answers. If you don't match that, you got to take another two three days off. Okay, come back take that, and after you take that, then you got it. They're gonna have you on the field running different things that specific to your position. And then once you pass that, then you go back to practice, but you're limited in practice. And then once you pass that, that's when you fully start the practice. And then if you fully start the practice, there's no symptom, there's no throwing up or anything, then you get back on the field. And then and nowadays the way that the rule is like any hit that's like close to like the head or anything, like you're like they're really, really like paying attention to that. So I think that uh and has that changed in the in the recent years or has it always been I think that it's it's for me, I I started seeing that that change when I was in college. Uh when the movie Concussion came out. Like I think that like there was a lot of emphasis on like player safety and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, ever since twenty fifteen for me I felt like it kind of just got more and more to the point where like sometimes you feel like they're too cautious where You might like sneeze and then they're like, oh, you got a concussion. Take him out the game type yeah. stuff. So I feel like, I mean, it's it's a good thing that they're, they get to that point, but it's definitely like a safe and like to me personally, I feel like it's just safe and uh, that's something that I often think about when I step on the field. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you're 27? Yeah, 27 now. 27, you were drafted in 2019. So that's kind of when you became pro yeah. uh, four years now. Um, it's a, an extremely physical sport how many more years do you think you have and and yeah where do you want to uh to bring your your career oh man i mean more years i feel like the way my body feel right now i'll probably tell you like 
a smooth six more years. Sweet. Like my body is just, I've learned did you, as did I. Did you reach your peak already? You think? No, I, I feel like I'm just entering my prime right now. I feel like as I, the way that I entered the league, uh, my body, I started taking care of it more, way more than I did my first two years. And I feel like it's definitely allowed me to like be able to go longer. And like some of the injuries that I used to have, like hamstring pulls and stuff like that, I don't, I don't have them anymore. Uh, my body feels great. Uh, I'm lighter. I lost a lot of weight. I lost probably like 10 pounds from the time that I came in the league to now. So I'm like lighter. I'm moving faster. I'm feeling better. And like, like I said, I just feel like I'm entering my prime right now at a point where I understand the game. I I'm fully understand how the business of football works. And uh, my body's following with that. So I feel like uh, I'm at a point where... I think there's another level I can tap into. Okay. Yeah. So what what for you in that case would be success, let's say, in the next two, three years, before your 30s? And say, what do you want to do? Or what will be success? What would you call success when you're 30? Oh, uh, man. For me, personally, on a personal level, uh, just be a CFL All-Star. I think that that's, uh, that's something that uh, a lot of guys aim for every single year. Uh, either that or be an NFL, one or the other. Like, to me, they're both in, in their interchangeable. But uh, yeah, being in the NFL because we already know why you're competing against the best every single day. And uh, CFL All Star, I feel like it's just uh, out of respect. When you work for seven months, for five months, you kind of want that respect. You kind of want like it's not really about the money; it's more about the respect that people know. Like yo, yeah. yeah, like this man, like he work his ass off and he's already showing it. So to me, those are the two things. By the time I'm 30, but uh, that's what I want. And as a team, I just want to win a great cup. I feel like. I came in 2019, and the team that drafted me won in 2018. So, like, I kind of got there a year late. And then that 2019 year, the team that beat us on the coldest game I've ever been part of, like, they just got us on a bad day. Uh, they ended up winning the Grey Cup, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then they've been to the last three or four Grey Cups. So, kind of just get one rank, uh, kind of get that feeling. And, uh, yeah, I think those, that's what I'll call success cool. on, my, on, on my terms. Cool. And then... What after that? So let's say six years. Let's give it eight years just for fun. When you're 35, what will be uh, after uh, after your career? You mentioned maybe coaching mm -hmm. or giving back to the community. But is that would you you think you'll you'll stay in the sport, in football, in sport in general? Would you think you'll just at some point just completely move on and do something different? Moving on will be hard because that's been like part of myself for so long. But like I said, I've been I've been finding myself like touching in like other different ventures. Like I like I like business a lot. I like uh just being around those type of people that see little things and like kinda wanna know how to market it or monetize it and stuff like that. So I'm really passionate about that. But as far as football goes, uh I think coaching is definitely gonna be still in my cards. Uh I always go back last two years, I go back to the University of Connecticut where I went to school, kinda just to touch base with the coaches and kinda build my resume with them uh i know a couple coaches that coached me that have been around the league that are in uh college i'm, I'm i don't want to be a professional coach okay. i want to be a college coach but uh yeah a lot of them are around and i kind of just like tap in with them every once in a while just kind of see like how they're doing like what you know what i mean what it is to be NCAA coach and uh it is long hours but i feel like for me like i said just helping kids get to professional rank where they can take care of their families and like different things. I think that's the best feeling. It's, I think it's going to be more fulfilling than me, myself, making it to the point that mm -hmm. I'm at right now. Interesting. Cool. Um, are you active on, on social media? Is it, do you cultivate your personal brand in a sense? And if yes, where, where should people follow you? Uh, social media, I've, it's, it's weird for me, man. Like I, I will have like a week where I'm like really like, all right, let me go out there and like really show that I'm active. And then I'll just, 
I don't really have like a love for it, yeah. but I do use it because I'm a professional athlete. Uh, so that's kind of like just part of I'm trying to like show my presence here and there sometimes. And uh, usually, most of the time, I probably spend more time most on Instagram. Uh, that's pretty much where all my action happens. Urgent uh, Myla, simple, keep it simple. That's my that's my handle. And uh, sometimes on Twitter. Uh, big play HM, but mostly Instagram. I feel like that's where uh, I connect with most people. Okay, interesting, cool. Um, you go to the game, the Alliance game on uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Oh man, uh, we got a practice on Wednesday, so ah. I may be there, but yeah, I'm, I might the game. So yeah, I might I might be able to make it work, but okay. yeah, cool. I love. First of all, shout out the Alliance for a great environment that they have every single game. Like I don't think there's. There's anything more fun than just being in a building and seeing the guys go to work, man. Small venue, but the people are crazy there. It, it feels like there's a lot more people. Field, it's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It feels yeah. like there's the, a the, lot the more sound, people. Yeah, I think is is, is they, they did a good job. Uh, yeah, love love that for them. And when is your next, team, next game? Uh, we play this Friday against the Toronto Argonauts. What time? Uh, we play. I think I'll, I'll probably say seven. Yeah, cool. yeah, we probably saw seven. I'll if I'm here, I'll come. Um, cool. Last two questions. The one that I always ask. Uh, one is, um, if you have one Canadian athlete in mind that you know and you think would be a <clears throat> a good person uh, to have here on the podcast, football or not football, mm-hmm. guy or a girl, uh, who would that person be? Canadian athlete, somebody that I'm really like been uh, following for a while. Uh, Soraya Tinker. She plays hockey in uh, Toronto. Okay. She's a uh, She does wonderful work for like kids that don't really understand like hockey, especially in the black community. She does a great job of that. So I think that that's somebody that every time like she posts something, I always make sure that I listen because what she does to me, like what she does and like her felt to me is so amazing. So yeah. Sweet. Cool. So I'll try to, to reach out to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last question, it's more personal is I'm building, well, people listening now know it. Uh, I'm building a, a museum of sports um, mm-hmm. at my place. And I like to ask if there, if you have any gear from your career, from the Alouette, whatever that you could uh, uh, hand over. So I, I add it into the, the museum. Oh yeah, most definitely. I got a, actually in my trunk right now, I got a couple of game, uh, worn, uh, gloves that I wore in the game. Oh, that would okay, be yeah, cool. I always, anything I always, worn, usually it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I usually keep those, uh, those are all my gloves from last year. I usually just like, I've, uh, it's weird. Like as a receiver, like once you have a good game in a pair of gloves, you always like want to keep them. Yeah. So like I always the, keep the them. Lucky, uh, lucky yeah, wear, exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Sometimes like you, there'll be no grip on it, but it's like, I remember that one game that I had in them. So yeah, I got a couple of gloves in my trunk that uh So the the unlucky ones I'll, I'll No, they're they're all lucky. I had those yeah. those the ones that had good games in it. So yeah, I got a couple of those Wonderful. in my trunk and I can definitely, you know what I mean? Wonderful. Share the memories. Thank you so much. Uh that was great, Ergie. Thank you so much for your time. I'll uh, might see you on Wednesday and I'll definitely uh watch you on the on the field uh if not this Friday, the next uh, home game. Yeah, sounds good, man. Thank you very much Thank for having you. me. Bye bye. Bye. If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life! <laughs>